1: Hi, everyone. This is Eden and Kim. We're here with Talk Purpose and Truth podcast, and we have a couple great guests today. Well, we have have kind of more like a co-host and then a special guest. What do you think?
2: Yeah, (laughs) a couple of our favorite people are here. So it's very (laughs) exciting. Uh, So Glenn is here from the Imperfectly Perfect campaign. Hi, Glenn.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, you guys all know we talk about um, we love being part of the team of that campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to give a shout out before we forget to imperfectlyperfect.org because they have really awesome masks now. Right, Glenn? Yeah,
3: we do. We just dropped them. So we've got eight, eight designs out there. So keep safe and spread the message around mental health at the same time.
2: Yes. Awesome. So the other guest, um, the other guest, I'm going to read his bio. And I know there's more to this bio so he can add to it. But I wanted to do a plug for his book right here. Mm -hmm. Happiness from the inside out. I I bought his book so you can see it. And um, I'm going to read his bio on the back of the book and then he can add to whatever else he's done since then. So Robert Mack has been many things in his life, including a corporate consultant, a professional model, an actor, and a life coach. After several years working as a consultant and executive coach for Deloitte and Touche, he returned to school to earn a master's degree in applied positive psychology, I think since a doctorate. He has appeared in numerous television commercials and magazines, The Today Show, The CBS Early Show, MTV's fashionably loud. Um, This life coach from the Miami Life Center, Rob, offers seminars and workshops and works with private clients, making them have happier, healthier, wealthier lives. He lives in Miami Beach, which I think now he lives in LA. Um, So welcome, (laughs) Rob. And you can tell us you've done a few more things since then, so you can fill us in.
4: Thanks so much for having me. That was amazing. And uh, boy, I forgot. Gut, that that bio is even on the back of that book. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, I wanted to give your book a plug because it's so awesome.
4: I love you guys so much. Yeah, The thing that I think I'm most excited about um, having done since then is just be a part of it Perfectly Perfect Campaign. Honestly, so deeply grateful. And I think that's how we all know each other is through Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible.
2: Awesome. And Glenn, how can you talk a little bit about how you know Rob?
4: Yeah, well.
3: What can I say? I frigging love this guy. I mean, the first day that I met him, I was fortunate enough to be asked on one of his TV shows, Ever Talk TV. In walks this guy full of what I thought confidence. I mean, look at him, good-looking guy, pearly white teeth, great sound looking. And after the show, he came up and he said, this is amazing what I do, and it's something, an extension of what I do, but what you do means a world to me. And that's how we hit it off, and... That brings us to I've known him about a year now. We talk all the time, introducing to you guys, just telling you all the amazing things about him. And I sincerely cannot say enough good
4: things about this guy. Well, well keep going, Glenn. Keep going. It's fun blow <laughs> <laughs> on in, brother. I'm good. I'm open to receive today.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. I'm in yeah. My right. mail.
2: <laughs> Glenn is um Glenn is zooming over to us from Sydney, Australia. And Rob, you're in LA right now. Are you in LA?
4: I am in LA. Yep.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm in Orange County. Eden's in Lake Castaic, which is considered L.A. So we're all we're all locals. And then Glenn, Glenn was recently in L.A. I guess now it hasn't been that recent. It feels kind of recent. Right, Glenn?
3: Yeah. December now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's
1: almost a almost a year since we got to meet you in person. And I think that's when you met Rob in person when you had that visit here
4: can't believe I've known this guy only for a year because it feels like I've known him so much longer than that. Yeah, (laughs) right, right, Right. Right.
2: it's crazy. It's sometimes I think it's like, you know, Glenn, Eden and I talk with a lot, like really often. And so even though we've known him, I think maybe a little over a year now, it feels like it's been like 10 because we talk so often.
1: Yeah, and I'll still never forget when we reached out to him and he responded and we were so excited (laughs) yeah (laughs) we were like well because we thought you were this you know big guru yeah and i love the way she
3: tells that story because she's like we thought you
1: were and
4: And then we met him and And then, then he's changed
1: He's actually on our level now. And no. <laughs> Which
2: everyone
4: should see
2: be, there's no, there's no um, higher, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we really felt like right now, you know, it, it's November 2020 and um, it'll be November 16th, I think, or something like that when this episode, no, November 9th when this episode comes out. And so I feel like right then, especially in a few weeks from now, it's going to be essential and crucial for people to add more happiness and harmony into their lives. And I know that you talked a lot when I saw you at the last workshop, Rob, about intentional happiness, like finding the things that bring you pleasure and being intentional about that. And so before we, we go into more of the interview, I just wanted to share all of us, like, how are you during COVID adding intentional happiness to your life? And Rob, you too. And, and with me, I feel like I'm really big on that like I feel like I it is crucial for me to have exciting and happy things to look forward to and to be doing so me and my family we go to now we go to drive-in concerts and um, and we still have been planning trips that are safe you know like that we can go on that you know we can be safe and planning workouts and planning going you know what hiking with the kids things like that is so important to feel normal still and to feel like you're adding in joy in your life. So what about you, Eden? Um, I think what I'm
1: finding is something I never did before was we're doing a lot of remodeling in the house and (laughs) um, getting outdoor furniture and and just doing like, you know, what we can afford to do. But it, it is making us feel like our home is more, um, happy, just, we're just happier here because we're, we're doing things that we've always been, we've been putting off, but now we have more time to do it. And yeah, that's just making it, it it just like feel more, more livable. And, um, like now that we have, or we're going to have outdoor furniture, we have another space to hang out in Mm -hmm. because it's because in LA, you can't really go out and do much. So we're just making our home just that much brighter and, and exciting.
2: That's a, well, a good yeah. thing, I think, because even for someone right now listening who can't do that or can't afford it, literally just moving things around, you know, moving things around your home will shift the energy and just help you feel brighter and make things a little happier for you. So it really does. It makes a huge difference because that's your sanctuary. Yep. Yeah. What about you, Glenn?
3: Well, yeah. See, my heart breaks for you guys sometimes because here in Sydney, Australia, we're not on lockdown. So we do mm. get to go out a little bit, but we've made... I promise that every weekend me and my wife alternatively find somewhere on Google in Australia cause we can't leave the country mm-hmm. and we do family family mini vacations on a Saturday or Sunday and we find a new place to go. And other than that, keep my happiness. It's so funny for all your listeners out there. I actually check in with you guys. You yeah. guys so happy. <laughs> so yeah. really just coach, like, I feel like I've known you guys, like you said for 10 years, Rob, I do the same and, it's just imperative to keep connected with with those amazing people in your life as well. To keep Yeah, I yeah
1: agree. and I think in addition, we're all all of us. And I'm, I'm Rob. Maybe you're doing this too, but I think I'm finding that I'm doing a lot more inner work than before because I again yeah. I have more time, more space to do that, and I'm taking advantage of that. And it's I mean profound things are happening new insights every day and and then talking to you guys and sharing those things with you it's nice to have that to talk to you guys about
2: Mm -hmm. we have like an ongoing daily mastermind that just happens naturally (laughs) (laughs) yes so what about you rob
4: um you know me lots of drinking lots of drugs (laughs) generally every day i know i'm really um Such a great question. And for me, it's mostly about staying out of my head. I'd say that's my happiest happiness practice ever, you know, which essentially I think of that as spending time with the divine. So for me, you know, every moment is honestly an invitation just to not get lost in my own thoughts and my own worries and concerns. Yeah. Um, I found that to be like consistently enjoyable experience. So it's, it's that. And I think it's also, you know, to a large extent, it's books. I love reading so much so i'm a little weird i'm a nerd down deep inside and then finally exercise i think i know glenn and i share that a lot we talk about exercise, and we are always leaving each other voice memos in the middle of an exercise or after an exercise or right before one so yeah I did, those are my probably top three
2: those are huge i mean thoughts can really i i have ocd with thoughts so i've really had to manage and and train my mind the same thing and so um I think for people out there, this episode is gonna help a lot with that because we're gonna get into that because thoughts can really make or break how your day goes and how you feel, and it's huge, so I'm glad you brought that up.
4: Yeah, it's true, it's like, in fact, I'd almost argue that it's the only thing that will make and break your day, really, you know? It's like, you can even interpret the worst of experience in a positive way and still have a pretty good day, and you can also have the worst thoughts about the best thing ever and then end up having a pretty bad day, so you're right.
1: Oh my gosh. There's just so much to talk about. Okay. I'm going to ask this question. Now we have, you know, you're, you are the happiness guru. I think, um, you weren't always, always happy though, right?
4: That's right. Okay. Right. So
1: how did you grow up and what were some of the things, the challenges that you encountered, um, to get from there to here?
4: Yeah. I was the unhappiest kid I ever could imagine being. I mean, I was, um, unhappy at like five or six years of age, and it got worse over time. And I always thought I would just grow out of it, you know, that I would get, you know, good grades, and I'd do well athletically and academically and socially, and I'd eventually have a girlfriend and everything would just go away. But it just got worse and worse over the years. So I eventually became extraordinarily um, depressed and started experiencing suicidal ideation. So I was thinking about killing myself, I mean, all day, every day. It's the only thing i really thought about, seriously. And I eventually got to a place where I did some research because I thought, you know, felt very deeply like that was the only solution. Um, And then I had the strangest experience because I had decided I was going to like slash slash my wrist. Um, And, you know, when I dug the knife in, I just experienced this like peace I had never experienced before. It was definitely not what I was expecting, Um, you know. And so in that moment, I had decided, look, I'll put off the suicide thing for, an hour and now I look back and think an hour, you know, but an hour at that point in time was an extraordinarily ambitious goal. So I put it off for an hour, did a little research, discovered I was not alone. Um, There's a increasingly common phenomenon, this experience of like having a pretty good objective life, conditions, circumstances were pretty good. I had family, had friends, and I was killing it financially or anything like that, but I had enough to live on and yet I was deeply deeply dysphoric and depressed on the inside. So over a period of time, I just started doing more and more research and it seemed like it was probably like two or three steps forward and then 10 steps backward for years. But I just kept tracking what was working in terms of happiness and that journal of happiness habits and practices eventually became happiness from the inside out. But it didn't, you know, none of that happened overnight. It was like very long scenic path.
3: So wow. if I can just add there, when when it comes to happiness, many people think happiness is from getting what you want a lot of times. What does evidence suggest or what in your experience have you found?
4: Yeah, what a great question, Glenn. It's like you've made for this, brother. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, it's like, so I'd say that um, number one, you know, the most important thing is, is that happiness, I think, is the greatest success. Like, no matter what we want in our life, a beautiful body, a beautiful partner, lots of money, you know, promotion, beautiful car. We want it because we think we'll feel better for having it. And so ultimate we're after is a feeling, you know, we don't think of it that way, but it's really a feeling. So happiness is the greatest success, but happiness also leads to success. So about two dozen or I'd say at least 20 years worth, two decades worth of science has found that happier people live longer, six to seven years longer. They make more money about six hundred dollars to $700,000 more over the course of their lifetime. They get married earlier, stay married longer, and are happier in all the relationships whether they're married or not. Because It's not about marriage. It's about happiness. Um, they experience less job burnout, better health. In all ways, happiness improves the objective conditions and circumstances of your life. So if you care about success, money, relationships, health, you certainly want to care about happiness because happiness is sort of this cheat code or master key to getting everything else that you want in your life, but with less time, energy, and effort um, than you're accustomed to. So the science of positive psychology, very interesting and shares a lot. But at the bottom the bottom line essentially is, you know, if you can find a way to get happy without all the stuff you want, the path to getting what you want will light up for you and become a lot more efficient, effective, and enjoyable.
1: Yeah.
2: Wow. That's crazy. Well, I have an interesting question. So related to that because I'm curious how you feel um you know even though happiness comes from the inside and you know how to create that intentional happiness do outside things make you happy and excited sometimes so for example you got to be a coach on E-Tunnel's Famously Single which our listeners know me and Eden even though we're we're very deep people we love reality shows yeah, sure <laughs> So <laughs> I totally watched that, okay? I'm like, oh my God, that was him! Um, so that had people like Polly D, which I, I watched those shows with Polly and Vinny, um, and Karina Smirnoff and Brandi Glanville and many others. So how did you feel when you got that? What was it like? And like, was anyone really hard to coach? Like, what was that experience like?
4: Yeah, great question. I resisted that. Uh, I resisted doing the show. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do entertainment because I had gone down that path path earlier in my life was pitching shows and selling shows. And I had done some things here and there and, um, you know, it was enjoyable in the moment, but I just felt that I was meant to teach and to coach and to help people, you know, in a deeper way, not just entertain them. I, I wasn't, there were, be- there were people that were much better at entertaining than me is the way I felt about it. And I feel like that was where my gifting was. But so anyway, at the end of the day, I ended up doing it because so they said, listen, Rob, you can just be yourself, share what you authentically feel. You know, you don't have to feel like you have to entertain trust, Us, we've got an entire cast of reality folks that will keep everybody entertained. So I thought, okay, that works for me. So I did it and it was a pretty incredible experience. It was not what I expected. Um, First of all, both seasons of that Famously Single show, the cast were incredible. They were so much smarter and more committed to the process than I had ever expected. We had so many conversations that were so deep and meaningful that we had to leave most of it on the cutting room floor because we're like, most everybody's not going to want to hear this part. They want to see him fighting, and they want to see him hooking up and all that stuff. So um, that was an amazing experience. I met uh, you know two great friends on the show, um, Dr. Darcy Sterling, who was the therapist and the host, and Laurel House, the female dating coach. And so it was an amazing experience, and it was fun. Um, and it hasn't changed my mind about the fact that at the end of the day, lasting, meaningful, and abiding happiness is still something that only comes from within. You could have moments of pleasure and excitement, but I would argue that pleasure and excitement aren't the kind of, it's not the kind of lasting, meaningful and abiding contentment and fulfillment that most of us are ultimately after.
2: Right, okay, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. So I think like, for example, would this make sense? Like if, if already Eden and I are really tuned in and have that happiness from the inside out, and then we have something exciting happen, with this podcast, they feature it on the New York Times. And we get really excited and it helps create inspiration and healing and meaning. See, I'm putting it out there, the law of attraction, right? Yeah, let's,
4: <laughs> um, let's make that happen. Love so, it.
2: <laughs> So did, did that add to our inner happiness?
4: Yeah, so it's a great point. So um, I'll share a little science and then I'll, um, to provide context, and then I'll sort of answer it more directly. Like, you know, most of us think that money Will lead to increasing happiness, and that's partly true. That if you're making le- less than in the state, seventy-five thousand dollars a year, so if you can't pay your basic necessities and bills, more money will mean more life satisfaction. It's a little different than happiness, but that's the idea. But once you get to about seventy-five thousand, you start to experience what we call the diminishing marginal utility of the dollar. Big word for essentially, you get less happiness for each additional buck, right? So. At that point, happiness is not very tightly correlated with money. Um, Something like health, most of us think, well, certainly most of us are happier when we're healthy, but actually they find there's no direct correlation between health, objective health and happiness. There is between subjective health and happiness. So how happiness you perceive or how healthy you perceive yourself to be is correlated with happiness, but objective health is not. So there are some folks that might be terminally ill that are just as happy, if not much happier than folks who are in perfect health. Right. And so, um, you know, kids, for instance, most of us think, well, I I always want kids. And if I could just have that first kid or second kid, but we've actually find that no first kid, you experience a dip in your happiness. Second kid, that dip in happiness is statistically significant. So it goes further. And then your happiness levels don't return to their baseline level until those kids leave the house. Wow. So lots of data that basically (laughs) says if you can imagine your perfect life. So imagine everything. Infinite money, whatever, infinite partners, if you're, you know, or the perfect partner, you know, perfect body, perfect life, all of that added up together only accounts for 10% of your overall happiness score.
0: 10%.
4: So that means that what most of us spend our entire lives trying to achieve, accomplish, or acquire is only for 10% happiness, 10% more happiness. So it's really not a good recipe. So all that being said, I guess the bottom line is when you find happiness within, everything and everybody in the world seems to enhance that happiness. When you don't find happiness within, nothing in the world can give mm. it to you, right? So yes, mm. I always say go for the cake first, happiness on the inside, and then go everything icing on the cake. Um, you know, that's the way I approach it, at least. I'm going to yeah.
1: interject with a question that's not on our list, but this reminds me of something. And sorry, Glenn, I'm interrupting, <laughs> but but I, I think this is important because it makes me think about a lot of people that I know who um, they try so hard to have good things happen to them and then they just keep having what they look at is like kind of kind of from a victim standpoint that you know nothing good is ever going to happen to me and they try to buy a house and then it falls through and and um they lose their job and you just they're they're just not maintaining any sort of happiness and how does what your formula you know your theory how how can that change for people what can we say to them
4: So you were describing—were you describing my life the first twenty-some years? (laughs) Oh, right. I mean, um, absolutely. I think most of us assume no pain, no gain, and that if we put more effort in and we can torture ourselves enough, we'll eventually be more successful, make more money, attract the right love or whatever. And generally, that doesn't work very well. Most of us know that you can achieve things that way, but I definitely believe in like manifestation through relaxation. Right? There's a lazier, smarter approach to getting anything and everything you want. And it comes through what I call happiness, which is just another word for relaxing deeply on the inside while you do whatever you do on the outside. For me, a huge part of that is also, of course, without question, like a transfer of responsibility, which is I have a deep trust and faith in life itself. Sometimes I call it God or source or you know universal intelligence. But the idea essentially is that I don't for a second believe that I am Ever smart enough, you know, good looking enough, or hardworking enough to make everything in my life perfect. And I don't think that I need to or, or want to. Instead, I have found that just by simply enjoying more of my moments, by being deeply present or what I call practicing the presence, which is just basically spending my time inside with God or source, mm-hmm. I find that things happen out of the thin, out of thin air. You know, and my mom will always joke to me because the second that I ever in my life I've gotten stressed, like, this isn't happening and I don't have any clients or, you know, why isn't this TV show thing taking off or these books, what's going on with these books? She always says, honey, you know, every time we have this conversation, I always say, go for a walk, go to the pool, go meet up with friends, forget about all that stuff. And then randomly, for no good reason, you get a phone call from either yeah. someone you've never met before or the person that you never expected to connect the dots for you, and then they offer you this opportunity that you couldn't have scripted or planned or prepared for, even if you were all knowing, you know? And she's always right. So-
2: ah, I love that. It. <laughs> so kind of it's a good reminder, on- it's a good reminder for all of us, I think.
1: Yeah. What, Glenn?
2: <laughs>
3: so, even kind of touched on my question there, Rob. <laughs> 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 well, if, if, if a general census across the board when it comes to that happiness formula and everyone's so individualized and everyone's mindset works very different, what would you say from your experience and everything is, or what people can take away with their own mindset towards that baseline of a happiness formula?
4: Yeah, it's a great point. So the other 90% of that formula is genetics. So we're all born with a genetic predisposition, which is not like eye color or hair color like, well, hair color, you can change. It's not like height or eye color, right? So eye color, height, pretty much fixed, set in stone. Happiness, genetic set point, totally malleable. It's plastic, it's changeable. So by doing the other things I want to mention here, you can begin to change your happiness genetic set point and be a lot happier in a sustainable way. Um, the other 40%, so that's 50%, is the genetic predisposition. The other 40% is voluntary activities, right? So those are things like um gratitude or counting your blessings it's like you know having social support it's like um you know exercise and all these things so the way i sort of keep it simple for people i say there are happiness activities or happy activities you can just make a list of those things things that with very little time energy effort make you feel happy to be alive and do what you can to spend more time doing those things right um the other thing is simply thinking happy thoughts so that's really about telling a better-feeling story about everything and everybody in your life, starting with yourself, um, just for the joy of it alone, right? So you're telling a better-feeling story based in truth about everything and everybody, and you're doing it consistently enough until it becomes a habit. only takes about 21 to 66 days if you're consistent. And then, which which is my favorite part, um, is practicing not thinking at all. So Mm. I think I spent the first... 20 years or so after I had the suicidal experience, like really working very hard at happiness. And I think it's a necessary step by lining my life up in ways so I was doing more happiness producing things and I was doing more work that was happier and I was spending more time with happy people, which is another part of it. And I was thinking in increasingly more optimistic, happier, grateful ways. That was all extraordinarily helpful, but still underneath that was like this undercurrent of like stress and anxiety and still wanting everything to be perfect. And so one day I just sort of came to a recognition and realization that the reason I didn't kill myself that one day was because my mind was real quiet. And so I read more and more teachers and I basically discovered that if you can learn simply to quiet your mind while you go about your day more consistently, you'll find that things line up for you with less, less time, energy, and effort. You enjoy everything so much more. You're a much more effective, efficient, and efficacious thinker and worker. So I would say those are really the three or four main categories. Happy activities, happy things, happy people, surrounding yourself with happy people, happy thoughts, and then no thoughts.
3: Mm. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I just think every time I listen to Robbie, it's like you're sat in a classroom having an education. <laughs> oh,
4: man. Yes. i sorry. I don't want to get too yeah. preachy, though. I don't want to get too preachy. Let me no, it. I love it. I love it. I
2: have
4: notes. You
2: did the Imperfectly Perfect campaign one of their amazing webinars and I have nine pages of notes. And then I was after that I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy his book. And then I listened to your episode on Glenn's Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And so now I feel like I'm your best friend. Right, I, know I you are.
4: are. You <laughs> I feel like I've known you and <laughs> you forever. I mean, I, it's so fun, it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, and we can, you know, credit and blame Glenn for that because birds <laughs> of a feather really do flock together and it's like we all sort of share one mind.
2: Well, and I love it because my books are, my books are getting your life to a 10 plus and living a 10 plus life. And they're based on, they're based on, um, that if you rate your life zero to 10 and it's a 10, you know, you, you can even make it better than that. Like it's, it's limitless. And I've always believed that, but I mean, I didn't know a lot of the principles that you've talked about. So you've expanded my thinking on that Mm -hmm. even more. So it's amazing. So you Um, can write another book now. (laughs) <laughs> I know right. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna plagiarize what I, no, I would
4: partner up on that. That's a partner deal right there.
1: <laughs> just Pardon. put his name on it.
4: That's I, mean. yeah, I know, right? I yeah, um, I don't need the acc- the accolades anyway. I'm good with just you know having you share it. Please. Uh
2: well it's <laughs> yeah, it's for- an honor to have you on our show. Um I think that that this is an important question right now. So during the pandemic, COVID, what are you seeing? with your clients and, you know, audience members, if you're doing workshops, with how they're handling stress and fear and what what is like some advice? Because I think that's so prevalent right now, those two things, stress and fear um, or doubt or uncertainty. What, what are you seeing out there?
4: Agreed, I mean, um, emotional dysregulation. So really when we talk about mental illness or personality disorders, or just general, um, you know, feelings of discomfort, we're mostly talking about an inability or difficulty regulating emotion, which means if you want to feel calm, do you know how to get yourself there? Do you, or do you need other substances or people to get the, get you there, you know, get you there for, um, themselves? So all of that being said, I would say that I'm seeing a lot of burnout, a ton of burnout, or mm-hmm. extraordinarily burnout. Even the most resilient, gritty folks are feeling completely burnout. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, Lots of stress, lots of anxiety, lots mm-hmm. of anger, divisive yeah. debate, right? So you see all that. Um, you know, and, and, and the other thing too, I'm seeing at the same time is um, recalibration or reprioritization of what truly matters, the values, right? I'm seeing that. Yeah. I'm also seeing a ton of resilience and I'm seeing lots of post-traumatic growth, right? Both as a result of like what's happening with the pandemic and maybe if they've lost folks or whatever, but also in their own personal lives, lots of post-traumatic growth. Lots of resilience, lots of grittiness, losing a ton of love, lots of meaning and value in people's lives that they are rediscovering, um, or maybe discovering for the first time. So I'm, I'm seeing all of it. I love and prefer focusing on the second half of that, um, but I wouldn't do my job if I didn't also help folks address the first, the first right. that right. So, in terms of coping and addressing, it, I think you know first of all it requires taking some time out and reminding yourself what your life is for. Like, if mm. We're not all clear at this point, in this day and age, that life is both very short, especially if you're happy, and very long, especially if you're unhappy, then mm-hmm. we're not paying attention. And that recognition and realization alone that you know, whether you die five minutes from now, five years from now or 50 years from now, life is physical life, is finite, and that we all want to do as great a job as humanly possible living the happiest life we possibly can. Like that in and of itself will let you begin to recalibrate and reprioritize your life so that you're putting first things first. You know, like the worst thing to do in this life is to major and minor things. And I I did that for so much of my life where I was always focused on the things that didn't matter very much. It didn't bring me a whole lot of happiness and they certainly weren't going to be around for very long, like money, jobs, whatever. So I'd say that's the first thing. is just putting things in perspective, remembering how short life is and doing everything you possibly can to reverse engineer your life accordingly, you know? So for that, for me, that means focusing every day on the things that make me happy, focusing on the people that I love the most and the need and want to feel the love from me. Um, You know, and uh, the other things are simple things like exercise. We know that exercise is the equivalent to taking an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety drug without the side effects, you know, and of course I'm going to be a big proponent of things like mindfulness practices and, and meditation and, and reading, but yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that's so helpful. Mm-hmm. Can, can you also share about the story I've heard you tell on the webinar about, I think this, this kid that you met on the street and he changed your perspective on things.
4: Yeah, it was, um, so, and I think are similar. I mean, I think we're probably all similar this way. I kind of, I like nice clothes. <laughs> you know, I grew up, I didn't have a whole lot of nice clothes. My parents knocked themselves out. So I used to, I went, you know, I would always, after Good Morning La, La Land, which is the show that we had um, Glenn on, Forever Talk TV, um, you know, occasionally I'd go over to the Beverly Center and, or Beverly Connection, and I, you know, would, um, you know, do a little browsing, maybe some shopping. And I went there one day and I'm leaving because I had, I always had clients like pretty close to the end of that show. So I jump in there and I come out and one day there's a, um, a man, maybe he's like in his fifties and he, and he just says, Hey, Hey, Hey. And I'm like, who's this guy? And I look and I notice he's talking to me. And he says, Hey, Hey man, I love, you got a minute. I'm like, yeah, I've got a minute, like literally a minute. <laughs> and he's like, do you, those shoot like, I love those shoes. Like where'd you get those shoes? And actually I like the whole outfit, man. And I was like, Oh, that's so nice of you. I so appreciate that. Um, you know, so generous of you to say that. And he said, oh, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I do this little morning show and then I do this other happiness coaching thing. And he said, oh, no way, happiness coaching, huh? He's like, you know, how'd you get there? And I said, oh, the hard, long, painful road, man. Like I learned everything the hard way. So, um, you know, I was suicidal and I told him the whole story about being suicidal. And then this experience I had where I felt inexplicable peace. And so next to him is this young man, you know, and, he, and quite frankly, I hadn't really, I didn't really have him on my radar when I was talking to what I now know is his dad. But I could kind of feel him here and I, you know, and every now and then I looked over to him and I saw this kid, maybe he's in early 20s. And all of a sudden, as I start sharing this story, just tears are rolling down his face. I mean, he's just really like bawling, you know? And I'm thinking, I hope I didn't say something to insult this kid or offend him or make him upset. You know, so I kind of get quiet, and I just looked at him, and uh, I said, "You know, are you all right, brother?" And he and, and he's like, "You don't know, man. You don't know, Rob. I, you don't know, man. Like today, literally, was the day I was gonna kill myself today. You know, today I was doing it today." And his dad's looking at him, and was like, "Today? You were gonna kill yourself today?" And I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness! Like, how is this happening right now?" And, he's, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "So I said, oh, so I just let him talk, you know." And I was doing the best, my, the best I could to just stay inside, like centered in myself because I was like, this is an important moment in this kid's life and in mine. And I said, well, you know, how are you feeling now? And he's like, well, dude, I, I feel so strongly that this has been a message sent directly for me to not kill myself. Like, I'm not doing it, Rob. I'm not going to do it. I don't have any interest in doing that. And if you can do what you did, I know I can do the same thing. I could do something very similar. I don't have to be suicidal. I don't I need to feel depressed. And... I can't believe this is the experience I had today. And I remember thinking, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, and so much of it comes all the way back to like, when you talk about Kim and you talk about Eden and you talk about Glenn and the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, which is like just sharing your story from a place of authenticity. It's transformative. Yeah.
2: Oh. And to dare, to dare to, dare to share. Uh, and, and even this story, I mean, it, it, it's like what I said on our, our last podcast we did with Carissa Sims, I said, um, you know, you don't know what impact you're going to make, Rob. You know, for you, for example, you come on this podcast, let's say 2,000 people listen. Then those 2,000 people tell that story to another 500. And those 500 keep going and going and going. And it stops like 1,000 people from killing themselves. Who knows, right? And so it's so powerful to share your story. And that's, gives you this reason of why it happened too and why you went through what you went through.
4: Mm-hmm. Totally. And and that's such a profound point that only someone who's been through something similar could even <laughs> share or be aware of because that's extraordinarily validating for someone like myself who's been through it, you know? And often in this world, you can feel, and I think we probably all had a taste of this experience where you can feel like, you know, nobody really cares about happiness, or no one really cares about mental health, or nobody really cares about whatever it is that we care about and that we happen to have passion and purpose around. And it's a great reminder, Kim, that at the end of the day, you know, we don't speak and we don't need to speak for the 7 billion people on this planet. We can try to, but really we're speaking for that one person, just yeah. the one, that might be on the fence, that just needs a word of encouragement, that just needs a little love and light. And that one word that you share, the one story that you share can literally save a life.
2: Right, right. And I think one of the big ones, you said all those things about no one cares and all that, but a big one that people feel, and I've been there, is I'm the only one feeling like this. I'm crazy or Mm -hmm. I'm horrible or why bother? I'm the only one. And I think this imperfectly perfect and this podcast and, and what we're all doing is helping people realize you are never the only one. <laughs> you know, everybody is going through something.
4: You just nailed it. And that we have more people, unhappy people. And that comes in all kinds of flavors and fragrances, you know, unhappiness does, right? Stress, anxiety, body dysmorphia, financial issues, relationship issues, whatever it comes in all kinds of different forms. And The number of unhappy people on the planet today is higher than it's ever been, ever, in the history of man and womankind. So know that if you're struggling, if you're suffering, you are not in the minority, you're in the the majority. And uh, and there are people like Glenn, Eden, Kim, myself, who love nothing more than to be of help in that way.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you said man and womankind.
4: That's
3: awesome. Yeah. I just want to go into that one question a minute where you spoke about. I just want to flip the switch on going that alone time and being at one with yourself. Why also can alone time be important? Like a lot of people who are alone more often due to the pandemic, it is good to obviously go external and talk to people and communicate, but also with us, all of us collectively, we always talk about going internal as well. So why also is being alone important in your thoughts as well?
4: Uh, Powerful question, Glenn. Yeah. So most everything in this life happens through people. You know, it doesn't come from people, but it happens through people. You want to do business. You want to be in a relationship. You want to have kids. You want to make money, whatever it is, it's people Man, we're in the business of people, whether we recognize it or not. And If you wanna be happy together, whether it's a personal relationship, professional relationship, platonic, romantic, whatever, you have to learn how to be happy alone in your aloneness. If you're not, if you do not know how to be happy in your aloneness, you cannot be happy in your togetherness. You will only multiply the misery that you experience by being with someone else, right? And so being alone is an opportunity to love your aloneness and in loving your aloneness, you discover one, the loneliness that I always thought I felt wasn't a real thing it was just lonely thoughts that i continued to feed and entertain day after day after day that turned out to be this monster that was never really under the bed it was just in my head kind of thing so part of the challenge and the opportunity today is to spend more time learning to love your aloneness love yourself and learn how to be happy without anybody or anything else feeding it right and so if you can learn to do that not only can you discover happiness but you and peace and self-love, okay? And then when you got into the world and you participate in some business, go to work, a relationship, friendship, whatever, you're not entering into those spaces or places in order to get. You're just entering into them to give. And it's such an empowering place to be when you're not interested any longer in just taking from the world, from other businesses, from other people. That doesn't mean there's not an exchange of services or goods or talents or any of that but it's no longer an exclusively transactional experience where you always give with strings attached and you're always trying to get more and more from the world you kind of come to this discovery that you are the source and that source is infinite and you don't need anybody or anything to keep you alive to keep you fed you don't need any of that right so so i'd say that at the end of the day it's really just about learning to be happy, alone, so that you can be a much more valuable and much more, I guess, helpful and contributor to the world. Right? Mm-hmm. Much more effective and efficient.
2: And is that, I, I think that's great. And there's so many people alone right now. So I think it's a great way for them to start shifting how they're looking at it. Because it's almost a paradigm like that, if you're alone, you're lonely. And mm-hmm. there can be a new belief that actually there's power in being alone because you're going inward and you're becoming more empowered and in your truth. Is this similar to, um, in your book, you talk about non-attachment.
4: You guys do your homework. What? <laughs> <laughs> your homework, girl. Um,
2: we like, we live by this stuff. We talk about <laughs> this stuff all day long.
4: I know you do. I love it. It's uh, one of the most, I think, attractive uh, traits or qualities in a person, right? It's just like an interest in sort of, I guess we'll call it personal development, self-development, whatever. But um, I would, yes, absolutely it is. So, and you nailed it, aloneness isn't loneliness. Loneliness isn't aloneness. You can be alone and not feel lonely. You can be in a crowd and still feel lonely. So very different things, Mm -hmm. I love you saying that. Also to that end, we know that happy people are actually rated as more attractive people So they're not they're not happier cuz they're rated more attractive. They're happy first and then they get rated as more attractive by people. So I often joke happiness is attractive financially, relationally, socially, professionally, always, right? So the non-attachment piece is definitely about your ability to experience happiness without needing or being attached to Anything or anybody else in the world being different, right? And so most of us think of happiness as in a conditional way That I can be happy if things go my way or if people go my way And of course that's the greatest trap ever because people aren't designed to go your way or my way and things aren't designed to go Your way or my way, but the fascinating and miraculous thing about it is that when you suddenly Are no longer addicted or attached to things and people going your way they all seem to kind of go your way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like being a celebrity and being super rich. All of a sudden, everybody wants to give you more <laughs> stuff. It's like, what the heck? You know, they're, they're good. They're good, but you know, it's just nature of life. It just kind of like a force of vacuum. So when, you know, it's needing nothing attracts everything. And that, and that's such a profound point. And that doesn't mean mm. that you don't it doesn't mean they're rich already, although that helps. It means that on the inside you feel and experience yourself as rich already. And that is attractive.
1: Like you have enough just with where you're at in this moment. Yeah. Yeah.
4: That's it. That's it.
1: Wow. I know. Okay. That's going to help so many people. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Also in your book, happiness from the inside out, you talk about the wizard of Oz and how it shows how well adversity can uncover hidden strengths by forcing us to rise to the occasions. Can you talk about this?
4: yes so the interesting thing is that we all go through adversity in life we all have challenges trials tragedies okay and post-traumatic stress disorder gets most of the attention for good reason right bad things happen to really good people okay and it causes a disruption in our lives in very meaningful ways right and we know there are a lot i mean PTSD, if you've ever known anyone who has PTSD, it's one of the saddest, most challenging experiences a person would have, right? So it gets a lot of the time and attention and airplay. Um, that being said, post-traumatic growth is a much more common and consistent occurrence and outcome from adversity, even the worst kinds of trauma in the world. And that doesn't get a whole lot of time and attention. And we don't often know that. And what's also surprising about that is that post-traumatic growth isn't something that only, or especially the most uh, resilient people experience. Actually, post-traumatic growth is something that quite consistently, the least resilient people experience most consistently, right? Wow. So, so so all that being said, adversity is extraordinarily helpful and it can often promote you in so many, if not all areas of your life. I mean, as a result of the pain in the problems in my life i found purpose i found passion right i found a career path i found true happiness true self love and peace and i think we all have had the experience of any of us looking into our past and we say that terrible thing i tried to avoid my entire life ended up happening and now look at the incredible gift that was so poorly wrapped right wow. so it's just and that's why i sometimes joke my friends will say Bro, what goals do you set, and what do you pray for? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't do that anymore, you know, because I realize I don't know always what's best for me. Sometimes the best things have mm-hmm. been what I conceived or perceived to be the worst things, and often the worst things were at first seemingly the best things ever. Wow, but so so like, you can
1: you can pray for whatever is in your highest good.
4: There, yeah, I I like God uh, yeah. praying. Yeah, yeah,
2: I like that. I like yeah. that, and it's kind of like um, you have to be sometimes you have to go through live and be who you don't want to be or who you know you're not um, or even act behave communicate the way you know is not you to learn who you do want to be and to become who you do want to be so that I think that helps a lot of people going through guilt or going through oh my god why did that happen it doesn't even feel like me they can go okay now I know the other side of it so that i can become you have to go dark to be able to go light you know that kind of thing
4: absolutely it's true it's um and i think that was one of the first books that changed my life was neil donald walsh um conversations with god and mm-hmm. very similar you said it so beautifully which is yeah you have to experience what you're not occasionally to know who you truly are yeah and it's true too like you know i think there's an expression somewhere and i never get it quite right but the idea is you know Everybody and everything is a teacher. And you know, we learn sobriety from the drunk. You know, we learn, you know, to tell the truth from the folks who are always lying. You know, we we, we learn to be happy from the folks that are always unhappy. But essentially, life is like this incredible personal trainer for unconditional <laughs> happiness and peace and self-love. And so that's why looking to the world to fulfill your expectations. And to make you happy, it's not a recipe for happiness. Hmm. Um, the world isn't designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you conscious. And when you become conscious, you become happy. Yeah. You discover that the happiness is within you, not the world.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. You talk about everyone else's books, but where can people find your book <laughs> after this episode? Because I just want to say, whilst we've got everyone on here together, when you just spoke about that, you always give me another golden nugget. And you just yeah. said It's like you're in a personal training session of life. Mm. When you are looking and thinking that certain things are going to be mentors, business, whatever, and you suddenly go through adversity and you realize exactly what you just said there and you put it into a new perspective for me in going, Ian and Kim, Rob, you have become such good, powerful friends in my life that I don't need to look for mentors because you guys are my mentor. And that, what you said there, is amazing. So I'm excited about people getting your book, reading your book, and finding out where can they get it?
4: Brother, I'm going to give you guys all a hug as soon as this whole thing is pandemic is over, man. You don't know. You don't know. I might not let go for a while, so just <laughs> bear with me. Um, so you can find um, Happiness from the Inside Out everywhere great books are sold, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Um, and you can find me at coachrobmack.com. And, of course, uh, also on all social media platforms, um, probably most consistently, Instagram at Rob Mac, M-A-C-K official.
2: Hmm. Uh, I love following your Instagram and um, you're just a gem. I mean, it's like, I think people are going to listen to this three times to take notes and and let it really soak in and shift so many things in their lives, including mine. So um, it's such good timing, like just such divine timing for this to come out, you know, in November, 2020. So thank you, Rob. We love you. And thank you, Glenn, um, from the other side of the world. And um, <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for listening.
4: Thank you, guys. I love you guys so much. Thank love you.
1: you. Thank you both for being here.
2: You guys thanks, everybody.
1: Thank you. Bye, guys.
0: For more information on Eden, go to edensustin.com. For more information on Kim, go to KimLifeCoach.com. Make sure to follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Talk Purpose and Truth Podcast. If you loved this episode, you'll love every episode. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Thank you for listening.